trigger warning. Content discussed in this episode may be inappropriate and or triggering for some listeners. Topics may include violence, death, child loss, sexual assault, abuse, pregnancy loss, abortion, miscarriage, and other things that might be upsetting. So, did you miss me? I thought about you every day, every hour, and I cut out old pictures of you, and I made it into one large picture of you. Do you remember how those got really popular in the early 2000s? It was like you looked at it, and it looked like a sunshine, but it was actually a thousand little suns. So creative. That's what I did. Did you try to impersonate me while I was gone? I did multiple times. I've stolen your identity. And um, it, it, it felt exciting. But then I, I realized, you know who I really want to be? It's myself. I learned a valuable lesson. Very heartwarming. It was heartwarming. It's like one of those uh, Sunday night specials. What's a Sunday night special? They used to have on TV. Oh, yeah. Like a like a CBS movie of the week. Oh, yeah. Movie of the week. Where Kate learns her... That, you know, your lesson that you wanted all all kinds of other, other things. But in the end, you know, it's well, all in you. It was all, all in me. It was all Yeah, in it was beautiful. like that. Have you seen that new trend on TikTok where people are going to Goodwill and you go to Goodwill, find an outfit, and then you go out? Wait, is it the thing where, like, you pick out something for your friend and they have to wear it? Maybe. Because I saw a video like that and I didn't like it. We should do it. Well, we, you already do it. Actually, because a lot of times the things that I have on, in fact, this shirt. I think this shirt came from you. Good chance. And so you all, you've you been doing that for a long time. Speaking of, I have a new dress for you that you're going to love that's real, real cute. Did you bring it with you? I forgot. Oh, my God. Look at your nails. You like? Oh, my God. Did you have those done or did you put those on? You already know the answer to that question. <laughs> you did really good. Oh I'm my getting God. really professional. They're like abstract faces. They look like... like they're really beautiful. I am the queen of press-on nails. Yeah. You put those press-on nails on me one time, but I got them off real quick. Oh, yeah. And they looked amazing. So, well, I just got back from vacation. I went on vacation with my family, my four children, three grandchildren, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, two friends, and my mother. It was a blast. So many people. There were there were a lot. Did everyone of people. have their own? What was the bedroom situation? Me and Zach were on a floor by ourselves, oh, which was you got very lucky. We we you got did. really lucky. We did, we did. And then every there was plenty of space in the condo, and we were we had you could see the ocean, but we weren't ocean front, mm-hmm. and it was. 
it was nice. It was nice. It was a great, amazing family time. But by the end of the trip. You were ready to get out of there. Oh, yeah. I was locking my door of the room and saying over and over again in my head, fuck these kids. Yeah. How did I get here? Yeah. What life choices did I make that led me to, to believing this that this was going to be a good idea? Well, you kind of knew it beforehand. I did. You, I did. You predicted. Mm, I knew. Quite I reasonably. Knew. But it sounds like the good outweighed the bad. It did. It was watching the joy on their faces. You know, there were several moments to just sit back and, like, see everyone happy and having so much fun that made all of that worth it. Mm-hmm. But, my goodness. Yeah. Maya consistently... Jackie, 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 Jackie. Especially Jackie, because your Jackie. grandchildren call you by your first name. Yeah, yeah. And then Hayden rode in the car with us, my six-year-old grandson, and spent, it was about an 11-hour car ride, and he spent about 10 of those hours telling me anytime I would say something to Zach, my husband, he would say, don't be rude to Papa. Oh. Jackie, me and Papa should live together. Papa, you want to take your pewter and put it in my bedroom? Me and you can sleep in the bed together, and you bring your cats and your pewter, and we'll just start a whole new life. I started thinking that might be a good idea. Yeah, you were like, that sounds great. Sounds great. Living alone? Yeah. That's yep. a dream. But, yeah, it was a great time, but I was definitely ready to come back and do our little podcast. Is that what you miss the most? Of course, of course. I think this was the longest that I went without talking to you in a long time. Yeah, maybe since I came back from maternity leave. I think so. <coughs> I Which think I so. I think is a really good sign that you were actually um, separating yourself from work. I, d- I did that. You were separating yourself from like everything but the vacation. I did. I was was really, really impressive. I was immersed in the vacation. There were several times that I set the phone down and realized that it had been away from me for hours. That is really something. It was. It was. And being with my daughter was special. Yeah. It was special. It was all in all, we're going to do it again. So it wasn't that awful. But... You know. Have you a schedule? Are you going to do another beach trip next year? Are you going to do something in between? Um, of course, I'm going to go on a vacation with me and just Zach yeah. and some friends. Yeah. But we'll also do a family, a family. Yeah. trip. You and Mike and Hattie should come. I love sharing the joy. <laughs> you should come. Um, well, we're going on this week to the beach. Oh, what beach? Somewhere in Destin area. And flying. No. You're driving? We're driving. Oh. We're driving halfway down on Friday and halfway down the rest of the way on Saturday. And the pl- and we're finally going to buy her a tablet, like get her own tablet. S- finally. <laughs> finally. So hopefully that'll help. You need to spring for the iPad. We probably should have flown, but we never got it together. Spring for the iPad. Get into, Let's get our, into our stories. Pride Month and stories. And then we can come back for more banter. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you were, you said the theme. Mm, that was good. Well, it's very, very exciting. I'm 
I'm excited for Pride Month. Here in Kentucky, there are, because we've had a few years now of COVID with everyone, a lot of the Pride festivals haven't been happening. And this year, they have come back with a vengeance. Yeah. There are Pride festivals all over Kentucky between now and all the way. I think the last one is in October. Yeah. But you know what's interesting is it lines up also with Juneteenth, doesn't it? Yes. A lot of the activities. Yes. That's interesting. Yes. And we have a little neighborhood celebration in my neighborhood down in Chively. Letting off fireworks and stuff for Juneteenth. Oh, cool. You should come. Oh, that's you should fun. come. I'll be out of town probably. Is it next weekend? Oh, yeah, you I will. Know. Well, you can let off some fi- You can let off fireworks at the beach. <laughs> yeah, we'll Kind of fell into the microphone. We'll do our own there. ally celebration. There you go. We're going to stop, actually, at the Rosa Parks Museum. Really? Way down. You do know today's Loving Day. <gasps> no! It is. I mean, how perfect was that? It that their is. name was Loving? I know. So Loving Day is a celebration of the Supreme Court case, which is... Maybe going to be overturned soon. An ACLU case. Whoop, whoop. I've heard of that organization. A couple times. A couple times. Mostly good. Mostly. Well, (laughs) (laughs) In case you were unaware, that might be where Kate and I... Nope, don't say it. Keep going. Okay. This is not affiliated. So anyway... Um, it is a case that banned the outlaw, outlawing of interracial marriages mm-hmm. across in all the states of the United and States. it was a white dude and a woman of color, a.k.a. you and Zach. I know. I know. Because hadn't they been married in D.C. and then they returned home to Virginia? Mm-hmm. Because I guess it had been lawful in D.C. And then police, like, showed up in the middle of the night and, like, pulled her out of bed. I don't think he was taken into custody, as you can imagine. But Just yeah. awful. Just awful. So today's the anniversary of that decision, I guess? It, it is. Aww. It is. And to think this was just, I believe, 1967 <laughs> that I know interracial Which, marriage. like, when I was younger, I thought was, like, so far away. And now I'm like, no, that was only like 15 years before i was born my mom was seven years old 1960 yeah it was 16 years before i was born. yeah 60 years before 16. you were born oh 83 minus 67 and here we are well doing math again here we are what's we'll be doing that the rest of the hour okay <laughs> well speaking of virginia my story happens in Virginia. What, uh, what a transition. It, it, it you, is. You're Walter Cronkite. I know it. My story happens in Norfolk, Virginia. And it's the story of Nicole Pookie Lovewine, who's 45, and her life partner, Deetra Brown, who's 42. So, to start with the story, Nicole... Pookie, love wine. Love that nickname. I know it's so it's cute. cute. Pookie, I I love nicknames, and as much as I love nicknames, I hate when parents reject nicknames for their children from other people because I think that nicknames are uh, 
uh, they don't belong to the parents of the child that named them. They belong to the community, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think you take yourself a little too seriously if you reject a nickname. So, I'm sorry. But anyways, what? Pookie's a so great nickname. Did you have a nickname beyond Kate? Oh, sure. For a while, I was called Big Sweaty. Big Sweaty. Now, that was in college. I had gotten real sweaty did in a dress. Did you pick that name? No, I didn't pick it. But guess what? Guess what? It, w- it wasn't mine to pick. I just had to. I earned it. And... <laughs> I wore it with with a badge of with pride. Yeah, with pride. I also for a while was called Squirt. You had some very interesting, um, interesting. Did nicknames. you have nicknames? I didn't. Now and also Katie, because most people Katie. call me Kate, but an affectionate way. I love Katie. Katie. Yeah, I, I love too. Katie Miller. No, I didn't. Now Just you Jackie, do Jackie Moneybags for a while. Moneybags. I'll K's take Moneybags. But you know who has a really cute nickname? So my son, he's Calfani. Right. And we call him Callie. Right. But another nickname that he has is Bonnie. Oh, Which is sweet. so cute. Yeah. And Bonnie comes from the, the littles not being able mm. to pronounce Calfani. Yeah. And when you Bonnie. look at the Fawny... They say Bonnie. Oh, so I love that. I know. I see, just love I, little I Bonnie. I love it so much. Yeah, so cute. cute. So next time you see Calfani, call I'm him Bonnie. Call him down. I'm gonna squeeze his little cheeks with my little. And you, if you scream Bonnie, he'll turn around. He'll turn around. You'll get him. Okay, You'll I'm get him right that. in it. I love Calfani. So okay, back to the story. Pookie, such a so cute name. Pookie and Dietra, they have, they they live in Norfolk, Virginia. Nicole and Dietra, they've been de- they've been together close to 10 years. Oh, that's a long time. It, it is. And Nicole and Dietra, they have four kids. And these are Nicole's four kids. And she has three boys and a girl. And one of her children is pregnant, her 19-year-old. So... Starting a little bit into the life of Nicole and Dietra, they live a life that I know that me and Zach strive for. You know, they're living their best life. They're having fun. They go to this karaoke bar around their town. Um, I think it's called 37th and... Something. It's mm-hmm. there's this karaoke bar that they hang out they hang out in at their town. They love doing karaoke. They love dancing. They hang out after work in their neighborhood, which a lot of the adults around the neighborhood hang out mm-hmm. and they'll go in at They'll get home from work, and then a lot of folks in the area, they'll all sit around outside, just kind of hanging out, talking, like you know, beer and drinking wine. some that's beers. How, that's how this neighborhood is. Yeah, really just, like it. yeah, just nice. And the bar's name is 37th and Zen. Okay. And their favorite time to go was on Wednesday nights for shrimp night. Ugh. You know, they're just yeah. like the couple everyone wants to be yeah. friends with. Having fun. Enjoying life. Enjoying each other's company, not hating each other. No. And another really cool thing is that the neighbor, they were really involved in their community. When the rec center was shut down, Nicole bought a trampoline for all the kids Let in the neighborhood. Let me tell you something. That is really sweet. It's a terrible idea. 
Okay, yeah, it's a really not a fan of trampoline. No, well, it's a, can you imagine how much she could get sued? Oh, I would just act like I didn't buy it. You, I mean, there, that's going to be a hard denial. It's in your yard. I mean, can they prove it? Absolutely. How easily? How? I mean, I just gotta let people know. Don't maybe get a basketball hoop. But trampolines are so fun. I know, but you know what? No, too dangerous. You know, and just put a sign up that says "Jump at your own risk." And that maybe that covers it. Sign a little waiver. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyways, but that is really generous of her. Oh, just so so kind. Yeah. So. Nicole's daughter is pregnant, like we just discussed, mm-hmm. and she's dating, uh, she's has a relationship with a dude named Ziante Palmer, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, not, not the nicest guy, mm. and so what happened... The night in question. And they have a pretty tumultuous relationship. Mm. So what happens the night in question is Nicole and Dietra and their neighborhood friends, they're all, you know, folks are hanging out, talking around. A car pulls up. The door swings open. Nicole's pregnant daughter jumps out of the back seat of the car. Nicole and Dietra immediately spring into action and they're like let me get down here that you know there's something going on i need to protect my child yeah, my baby. so once they hit over there they are nicole Dietra, and another of their friends sarah kostein are all shot <gasps> they are they are shot as well as Nicole's daughter, and there's another person who's shot and injured. Oh, my God. I did not see that coming. It's horrific. It's horrific. And Nicole and Dietra and Sarah Costein, they don't make it. But Nicole's Nicole daughter. And Nicole and Dietra. But Nicole's daughter and another friend survived. Yeah. So Nicole and Dietra were successful in saving her daughter. But they, you know, they ran to help. These five women were shot and killed. You know, Palmer's in this relationship with Nicole's daughter. You know, he ends up being charged with three counts of second-degree murder, two counts of malicious wounding, several firearm charges. So he shot all those people from the car? He got out of the car and shot all of those people. And it's really rare for bystanders to be hurt in domestic violence assaults. So this goes into um, when you're looking at this is black Americans, which, of course, Nicole and Dietra and the other folks who are shot shot are all black are all black. And black Americans are disproportionately impacted by gun violence. Oh, yeah. They experience 10 times the gun homicides, 18 times the gun assault injuries, and they are nearly three times more likely of fatal police shootings than white Americans. Gun homicides, assaults, police shootings are 
disproportionately prevalent in historically underfunded neighborhoods and cities in America. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something mm -hmm. that when you look at what's happening in Louisville, this is happening in our city right. as well. Which I think is one thing that is so frustrating is individuals most likely to experience gun violence in Louisville, for example, are black and live in neighborhoods that are predominantly black. Mm -hmm. However, the laws that are passed in response and that sort of uh, exploit that violence to pass laws that are a <coughs> quote unquote tough on crime end up also disproportionately incarcerating individuals who are black. So like of course. you're it's um uh it's white supremacy having their wanting their cake and eating it too or whatever the expression is because ultimately anyways. Oh, it's it's awful. You know, and when you're looking at gun homicides the they're happening in these underfunded neighborhoods in cities and the lack of funding intensifies all of our country's yeah. racial inequities. Yeah. And I get especially frustrated because people who are on the campaign trail who are from not those neighborhoods often have talking points around addressing violence as if they're actually invested in addressing the violence and not because they see it as an opportunity to, again, like... Uh, there's something instinctual about people and vengeance and, and it, it compels people to like want to exact revenge in reality. That's not the community they're living in anyway. So it's uh, it, anyways, sorry. Oh no, it's, it's awful. And every day on average, 30 black Americans are killed by guns and 110 on average experience non-fatal in injuries and in larger cities, black Americans make up 68% of homicide victims. And when you're looking at ways to solutions, street outreach programs such as Cure Violence are associated with up to, or starting around 37% up to, I'll give you some other percentages for other places mm -hmm. around the country but there and reductions yeah. in gun injuries yeah. when you look at cure violence in trinidad and tobago that dropped uh gun violence dropped 45 percent new york city 63 percent 30 percent drop in shootings in philly a 48 percent drop in chicago in the first week you know so it's not Fixing these problems are not solved by continuing to incarcerate yep. people. We have to provide more resources and and solutions for folks in these and areas. To be clear, the reason why there need to be more resources invested in these areas is because resources were sucked out of those areas to begin with. Absolutely. It's not as if like we show up today and things are the way they are just by chance. Like every, you know, we know about the wealth disparities between black Americans and white Americans and the fact that black Americans weren't able to purchase homes. Their parents couldn't purchase homes. Their grandparents couldn't purchase homes, which I think right. is probably the most common asset that a family passes along to a child so it's like white people and uh, sucked all the resources out oh yeah this is the, this but is let's the, not let's oh. not have that conversation about reparations now oh, God, you know me. when i was in um <laughs> charleston south carolina i mean the whole energy of that city you know just 
It's unsettling. Uh, it's so unsettling. Yeah. And then to know that in in places like you, when you're standing there and when the wealth disparity yeah. is so apparent yeah. and knowing where this wealth came from and the conversation about reparations and saying, oh, well, I didn't do it, but you're living off the money that right. did. Yeah. Oh, it's just, uh, it's, it's disturbing. And in the shoot first states, homicides in which white shooters will kill black, black victims and deemed justifi- justifiable are five times more frequently happen or five times more frequently than the reverse right yeah of course so it's the problem with guns in america is so unsettling it's so weird so unsettling but just to it felt right to honor Nicole and Dietra's. And so they were both women, right? Yes. And the town of Norfolk, Virginia, yes, they were women and they were in a lesbian relationship. And the town of Norfolk really showed out for their uh, memorial. Yeah. Really showed out. And, you know, <laughs> so we should all strive for that type yeah, of relationship, you know, living life like to had, it their fullest. Like they were really like experiencing joy. Yes, it, it joy, uh, absolutely. And then the fact that they saved Nicole's yeah, daughter. They saved. And there it's was like another. The, it gives me goosebumps. Piece of that story that was so heartbreaking was Nicole's son when she was shot ran out to his mother you know her 11 year old son and Um, was screaming for her to wake up you know uh, and the tragedy of how guns just destroy families and how it could be avoided oh um so okay i have what you got i have a completely different story it is uh, very disturbing. Oh, wow. I listened to a four-hour audio book. Wow. So I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm ready to talk about it. Oh, since you're talking about audiobooks, I just have to do one more plug for yeah, I already expected the <laughs> Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. My goodness. Especially wait. for Pride Month. This is one of the most captivating stories that I have read or actually listened to because I listened to it while at the beach and it was I mean you can't put it down I can't wait you can't put it down and I don't know and you better hurry up because Netflix is making a movie that's what I heard but there's no I'm gonna read it next week I'm gonna try to that's well it's a beautiful story amazing fiery sex scenes (laughs) I mean just if you all could see Jackie right now Love it. I mean, it's Love hot. It. it. You should be doing an advertisement Very hot. or something. I'm. I'm telling you. I guess you are. And for literacy, I will be listening to it while me and Zach are on our nightly walks, and like he will watch the emotions <laughs> on my face, and he's just like, "What? Tell me what's <laughs> happening. What?" Because I'm just like, "Oh," <laughs> just laughing and crying, and oh, it's emotional. Um. Okay. So. 
Thanks for that recommendation. I'm super excited. That's the opposite of the audio book I listened to. Um, and this is a story taking place in Indianapolis, Indiana. So just like two hours away from us oh. in the mid-90s. The first thing I'm going to talk about is it's the mid-90s and gay men in Indianapolis start disappearing. Wow. They're going missing. And it's something we've talked about before and we'll talk about a million more times is there are communities and people stigmatized like uh, LGBTQ folks, especially in the 90s. And if you're a member of that community and you're experiencing that type of stigma, you're also more vulnerable to exploitation, to violence, because you're going to be fearful of uh, revealing your identity, coming out to law enforcement for lots of reasons, being trusted. So so in the mid 90s. Um, well, of course, it was a completely different time and. It's just heartbreaking when you look at all the... Well, and I wanted, when we were first taught, we, of course, I think most of us are familiar with the fact, like, that LGBTQ folks are more vulnerable to violence, and in particular, trans folks and black trans women. And so that's, when we were talking about doing a Pride Month episode, that's where I started. Um, and I ended up on a website called Queer Crime, which is where I learned about this story. So I still absolutely want to do a story... Uh, beyond this one but this was just so shocking and because it was the mid-90s like even being a white gay man you know being a white man having that yeah. privilege couldn't keep you safe um so remember matthew shepherd oh my god yeah <laughs> so um mid-90s men start going missing and uh some of these individuals that go missing aren't i don't think even necessarily reported or not right away they're reported but an individual by the name of Roger Goodlett goes missing. And his mama is like, absolutely not. She immediately reaches out to law enforcement. Law enforcement either don't care or they claim that they have to wait 30 days to investigate a missing person, allegedly. Which 30 like, days I know. to investigate a missing right? person. Isn't it? Like 24 you know, hours is stupid enough. Right. Right. I've seen enough crime shows to know 30 days is not a, 30 days isn't a real thing. So she reaches out to this guy named Virgil Vandergrift. And let me tell you something, Virgil Vandergrift. If I go missing, Jackie, I need you to call Virgil. Call Virgil. That's the first one. You can find him on Facebook. I already looked him up. I want to look him up now. No, don't. No, not during the podcast. Okay, okay, sorry. So if I go missing, you call Virgil. So Roger Goodlett's mom calls Virgil. Virgil is already working on the case of another missing man named Alan Brousseau. Virgil is a private investigator. He had been a law enforcement officer. He had left the force, and now he does private investigations. So Roger starts pounding the pavement. He's actually working the case, and he's going to the gay bars and other areas where uh, gay folks are hanging out in Indianapolis in the mid-'90s, and he's talking to people. He's hanging up flyers. He is trying to get information. And he's getting some information. I mean, there's a lot that he's we could cover. Actually working he's the actually case. working the case very seriously, by all accounts. So. I'm thinking of, like, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman okay. in Seven. Yes! 
the 90s. Yes. If we're talking yes. about 90s yeah. crime, yeah. you know, you have to Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, what's in the box? <laughs> Speaking of heads, that will come up later. Oh, in gosh. a couple ways, actually. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> he gets a pretty wild break. He gets a huge piece of evidence from the hero of our story named Tony Harris. I don't know anything about Tony Harris besides this. And he's a hero. And I'm going to tell you why. Tony Ferris, mm. excuse me, Tony Harris is at the bar. Oh, we are so good at changing names. People's names, yeah. Tony <laughs> Harris is at the bar, and he sees a dude that's just creepy. He gets that vibe. This dude's creepy. And he notices the dude looking at something in an especially creepy way, which just reminded me of in college, we had a guy at our bar, which was called Tidballs. Still there. I went there a couple weeks ago. No, months ago. <laughs> Anyways, and he was real creepy, and we named him Lotion. Is that a good name for a creepy lotion? Person? Yeah. So, anyways, this guy was like lotion, like just super creepy, and why lotion? I think it came from put the lotion in the on the skin, then it rubs it in again or whatever from Hannibal Lecter movie. Remember the dude? Did no, but go ahead. Did you not see that movie? Are you Hannibal kidding, Lecter? You didn't see? Are you kidding? Silence of, of the Lambs. I've seen Silence of the Lambs. You don't act like I've seen like Hannibal. It. Okay, I've seen. All you don't them. remember the basket goes down with the lotion because he's making like skin lamps out of people's <gasps> flesh. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Okay. So the creepy guy is looking at something. It catches Tony's eye and he realizes that the man is looking at one of the missing posters that had been hung up that featured a picture of Roger. And Tony had been friends with Roger. And he just got this feeling that this dude had something to do with it. So he goes up, introduces himself to this man, basically starts like pretending to flirt with this man who says his name is Brian Smart. And before you know it, Brian Smart has invited Tony Harris back to his place. Tony better... What do you he think Tony be does? Ready. Tony's like, yeah. Has he been? Let's go. You know, like taking judo classes. Not to my knowledge. Working out. Not to my knowledge. He Got has like been drinking, blade. but no. So he gets in the car with. He has no weapons at all. Uh, not to my knowledge. No. He goes back. It's out in the country. Brian Smart is like driving him through the country. Think it's like out. It'd be like Bullet County or Oldham. It'd be like Oldham County. Okay. From Louisville. And. Yeah. Not going to do it. He goes up this windy driveway and it's a Tudor style mansion. It's a million dollar house. And he goes inside the house with a man. And at some point. Like, I'm not exactly sure how it transitions into sexual assault slash sex, but, like, it does. And I think at this point, also, Tony's just, like, he was trying to survive. And I think he thought his best way of surviving is to comply with, like, the sexual demands of Brian. I mean, that's pretty... T I mean, it's not shocking. That was... I've been watching the Pray and Obey... 
the oh, FLDS. I saw that. Yeah, I want to watch. And that, that was like what a lot of the children brides that Warren Jeff was exactly. sending. That a lot of them they were being sexually assaulted by these old disgusting white men yeah and they would just they would comply be you know just yeah. closing your eyes and thinking like getting through it this will be over yeah you know and just that's get what me tony harris it. i imagine was experiencing and he Heartbreaking. before he had um like the assault had started he was in the pool room there's an indoor pool and surrounding the pool are mannequins. That's not creepy at all. And Brian said that the house didn't belong to him. He was, you know, watching it for someone else. And that that person said they wanted the mannequins so they wouldn't never feel alone. Yeah, it's creepy. So anyways, they're um, uh, having sex or, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's having sex isn't the right word because he's being compelled, you know, t- he's being coerced. But he's being assaulted. And Brian, and you know, if you've been assaulted, you're more likely to be assaulted again in the future. You know, I just heard that recently. Mm-hmm. It might have been on this podcast, <laughs> but I don't think so. I don't think so. So he is being choked by Brian. Brian's like, have you ever experienced auto asphyxiation? Like, it'll give you the best orgasm. And... That's what he claims he's doing. And at some point, Tony's like, this dude's going to, like, I'm about to die. This isn't, this isn't going to stop with an orgasm. So Tony pretends to pass out. He's still a little alive. He pretends to pass out. Uh, Brian is like, I don't know, gets a cocktail or something or does some blow. He's like doing a lot of cocaine. And Tony finally opens his eyes and Brian's like, ooh, like, oh, yeah, you're awake. And so then he's in the house with Brian, who just tried to kill him. He acts like it's normal. And he's like, can you give me a ride home, I guess? Like, Brian drives him back to Indianapolis. And the reason why, at least one of the things I read said that Brian didn't try to kill him is because Tony was like a really big dude compared to Brian. So had he tried, like at that point, he thinks he could have fought him off or something like that. Okay, so what does Tony do? He immediately goes to the Indiana, or like the Indianapolis Police Department. And guess what they say? They don't give a shit. Get the fuck out of here. They're like, you're lying. We're going to charge you with, you know, like, whatever you charge someone with lying to cops he goes to the fbi the fbi tell him the same thing they're like we're gonna charge you for lying he and needs to go to the morgan freeman he Brad goes Pitt. to morgan freeman Brad Pitt. he goes to virgil virgil believes everything he says and he's like and there actually is a police officer mary wilson who's working the case who you got to go talk to so they all meet up they talk mary it believes everything he says they drive around out in this county until they find the house. They find the house, but um, they can't get any more information from Brian at that point. They can't. They get need a search to get warrant. a Jefferson County and get a search warrant. Well, but they can, they try. I think. I think at that point they try to get a search warrant. I don't think they do. So nothing happens for like a couple of years, and now I'm going to tell you briefly about. Brian Smart. 
Okay. Brian Smart, uh, his real name is Herb Baumeister. Stop it. Herb is actually born in Columbus, but he grows up in Indianapolis. As a child, he likes playing with dead animals. He plays with dead well, crows. there's your clue. He puts dead crows on his teacher's desk. He urinates all over his teacher's desk. He talks about how he wants to see what urine tastes like. His dad has... He wants to see what urine tastes yeah. like. He has two parents, like, wealthy, have money. He has family, like, siblings. His dad gets him screened after he exhibits all this weird behavior. And he's diagnosed as schizophrenic, but not treated whatsoever. And at the 60s, like, treatment was, like, lobotomy. Like, there wasn't, like, a good... Like, he would have been probably institutionalized. So, anyways, he just keeps being real weird. He goes to college at IU. He drops out. He gets a job at the Indy Star. He quits. His dad gets him to go back to IU. This time, he joins Young Republicans. Mm. And now, mm. I, there's a lot you could say there, but let's remember John Wayne Gacy was a very active Democrat. <laughs> so, so he joins Young Republicans. He meets Julie. They're, they bond. It says they bond over their conservative beliefs, and they both liked cars. And after college, and he does fine in college now. He, like, graduates, I guess. Maybe he doesn't graduate. But anyways, he marries Julie. He gets a job at the, like, DMV of Indiana. His dad gets him the job. Guess what? He keeps peeing on stuff. He pees all over his office. He pees on his boss's desk constantly. It finally stops. What has to happen for you to get fired it at this finally place? Stops. How do you I'll tell you. How do you pee multiple times? Is he saying you. it's not him? No one's even confronting him about it, apparently. Wow. They're like, You only got one time to pee on my shit, Herb. <laughs> one time. So finally writes like a real aggressive letter to the governor he urinates on that he puts that on his boss's desk and that's when his boss is like you we gotta let like you and not even and then they don't even fire him they're like if you quit like we won't tell everybody how you're peeing on everything so he gets fired around this time his dad dies him and his wife he's working at a thrift store him and his wife decide they're gonna start a thrift store called save a lot they start the thrift store. They get a bunch of money from his mom to start it. Then they get a relationship with a charitable organization. And the thrift store is called Save-A-Lot. It takes off. They make millions. Save-A-Lot. I've been to Save-A-Lot. I know, but Save-A-Lot here is a grocery store. Yeah. Up in Indianapolis for a period of time, there was a thrift store called oh, Save-A-Lot. Okay. All right. So that's Herb. So they're, get, they're making a lot of money. They have three kids. And... They, ha they buy this mansion, and Julie does not know that her husband is... Now, she did say at, there's some reference that her and Herb only had sex six times in their 25-year marriage. And he was... Wait. So, Herb is married to someone for 25 years. They have sex six times, but continue to stay married. Maybe they're just asexual. He was a real life... I know, I'm out. He was a real life never nude. 
like he wouldn't take all of his clothes off in front of her and he was allegedly like disgusted at the sight of like a naked female body um but they have money they have a big nice house and they stay together until save a lot starts losing a lot they're not making money i think he's an alcoholic he's not managing the business well she doesn't really yeah he didn't have a lot to you know what when you take the money out of that equation there's nothing left no And you know he's peeing on shit in the house. So they're starting to go through, oh, you're right. And he was sort of becoming a hoarder. I think he was an alcoholic. He, so their marriage is starting to crumble. And she's also away a lot of the time. His mom has a lake house. And her and the kids go and stay at the lake house all the time. All right, now let's bring it back to Tony. So as you recall, Tony knew a guy named Brian Smart. A couple years after no one takes his shit seriously, he fucking sees Brian Smart at the bar. And he finds license plate numbers. He follows them outside or he gets somebody else to. They get his license plate. They run the license plate. The license plate is tied not to Brian Smart, a made-up stupid name. Get it? That's Herb. It. To Herb. <laughs> to Herb Baumeister. The police go to um hold on i forgot one thing i want to go back real quick he had been spotted before and his license plate had been run before and it was ohio plates okay and wasn't tied to his name they didn't know that it was like they didn't they didn't have the numbers or whatever but it was ohio plates Mm -hmm. and so they call different law enforcement jurisdictions on the border of ohio and indiana and they're like no we don't know who it is but guess what there have been a bunch of bodies found of gay men up and down i-70 for the last like six years wow wow so now flash forward it's tied to herb they go to herb's wife they're like we got to talk to you we want to search your house because we believe your husband is involved in some they called it homosexual homicides which would be a great punk band name. But she's like, I don't know what that means. What's a homosexual homicide? So um, she won't let him search the house. Herb's like, don't let the police search the house. They come back several times. She won't let him search the house. Her son finds a skull in the backyard. He explains that away and saying that it was like something that belonged to his father when he was a doctor. He, it was like one of those like medical school skeletons. Finally, and we're getting close to the end. So she's just living in full denial. Oh, right. I was thinking about your episode on like pregnancy and denial. Like she's obviously. I don't want it to be true. So it's it's just not going to be. Exactly. So finally. She allows the police to search the house. This is I, I think this might be 1992 or 1993. She allows the police to search the house. The police find bones belonging to at least 11 bodies. Where? On their property. Where? Like, just all throughout. I don't know. It's like a 16-acre property. It's like a horse farm. It's a mansion, Jackie. Mm. Guess what? They have bones of people in their backyard and they don't issue they don't authorize an arrest warrant he isn't they claim the county hamilton county of indiana 
I don't know if it's the judge. I don't know if it's the prosecutor. Claim that there isn't sufficient evidence for an arrest warrant. There's so bodies bones on his property. And bodies eyewitness are not. testimony for him being the... Okay, so here's where, just to pull it out, that I think is we don't because have a lot of time. They yeah. are rich, conservative, white, like community leaders. The victims leaders, are gay. And the victims are choosing an alternative lifestyle, according to like law enforcement officers. And I just want to point out, this happens, this is what drives me bonkers with most true crime, is they hear these cases or talk about these cases, and they give the impression oftentimes, which like obviously I love true crime, I'm not trying to hate, but like they give the impression that that's the justice system for everyone. If that was the justice system for everyone, we we wouldn't be living in the reality where we're living. Most people don't even have the opportunity to go to trial. They're accepting a plea deal. Something like 90 to 95% of people accept plea deals. They never even go to trial. They never even have to have law enforcement meet the burdens that are put upon the state to demonstrate that someone's guilty. Like, it's like, can you imagine? So they are continuing. And a lot of times, juries are going to convict just because anyway. someone is on trial. Right, exactly. So it's a risky endeavor, particularly mm-hmm. if you're, I mean, obviously, if you're black, if you're poor, if you have a drug problem, of course not uh, Herb, who had a cocaine problem. So this is just like, so not only, Jackie, did they not uh, uh, get an arrest warrant, it went 10 days, 10 days of them digging up bodies in the backyard with no arrest warrant issued. He flees Indiana. He calls his brother asking for a shit ton of money and says he's in Canada or going to Canada. The brother calls the police so the police know he's fleeing. Still don't issue an Let arrest warrant. Let him go. One of the dudes I saw in like this random bit obscure video was like, in hindsight, we probably should have issued an arrest warrant. In hindsight. So, uh, in conclusion, he makes it to Canada. He pulls over. He's actually stopped by a law enforcement officer in Canada. So, had an arrest warrant been issued, he would have been picked up. But it wasn't. So, the police officer does nothing, you know. He uh, ultimately eats a peanut butter jelly sandwich or a peanut butter sandwich in his car. He has a three-page letter and he dies by suicide. And in the letter, he confesses to nothing. So, he is never arrested. No. So here's the random shit that I want to add. So as I said earlier, the two big social justice themes are like cultural themes, a vulnerable community, mm-hmm. which continues to obviously be a pervasive issue today that makes right. all of us less safe, whether you're gay, straight, cisgender, whatever. We're all made less safe when people who are victimized aren't believed. The second theme is that there's two different justice systems. There's a very robust due process system for wealthy people and white people and everyone else is fucked and we filled all of our prisons and jails with everybody else. Meanwhile, Herb kills himself in Canada. The um, really interesting stuff, and this will be the last thing that I just have to include, is there's a really weird video of him also on the local news because at some point the people putting the yellow... Um, paint on the roads accidentally painted a dead raccoon and there was a new story and he's featured in it he's like criticizing like the indiana department of transportation for 
painting a dead raccoon. He's just real hoity-toity, like, arrogant about it, like these losers. Meanwhile, at that time, he's murdering people. As I said already, he's it was called the I-70 killer. Like, it's very likely that those were his first killings were, like, young gay men who were hitchhiking, who were even more vulnerable than, like... And hitchhiking right. used to be normal. a huge thing. Yeah. And this was, like, in between when it was very normal. Like, I, I don't think it was... In the 80s, it was as normal in the 70s. So, I think these were more likely to... Remember it, the movie The Hitchhiker came out. Did you see that? No. It's like a horror movie. Obviously. I seen when I was a kid. I don't want to see that ever. That was... Well, my mom was the queen of, of traumatizing yeah. her children. Uh, I was going to say, I bet she hitchhiked normal Grateful Dead shows. She, of course. But she would... She would have us watch. I watched Aliens when I was like nine. You know, I still haven't seen that movie. I seen Gorillas in the Mist. I don't even know what that is. Never ever watch it unless you would like to see a gorilla that a human becomes great friends with become killed. It's it's the is same it way. It's a true story, but you know, like. Yeah, in you movies can't, where the pet dies. What about in the movie where that dude gets mauled by the bear? Remember that movie? Not the new one with Leonardo DiCaprio. The real one where the dude befriends bears. Okay, hold on. Let me tell you the rest okay, of these weird sorry. things. <laughs> so first of all, those were young gay men. It could have been some of those folks were, were sex workers. Like they were even more vulnerable than the gay men that he encountered of in course. Indianapolis. No one, no one cares about that. That was sex never workers. solved. But like it's obvious it was like the route that he took when he was traveling which by the way they lined up all the murders that they had dates for and they were the same weekends where his wife was at the lake house like they, they went through all the calendar back for years it all lined up randomly in the mid 90s like 92 93 maybe a little later s- small brunette women there was like a sling of a, a rash of killings of small brunette women at stores off of I-70. And this dude hated women. Like, he got sexual pleasure from murdering men. And he hated women. Like, they served no purpose to him. So, like, it's not unreasonable to believe that he killed those women. Especially when I get to part three. And then I'll have my concluding thoughts. At the end of this book I read, there's a remark that Virgil believed... That uh, Herb also killed his own brother, Richard, who was found strangled to death in his hot tub, which is how he killed people. Wow. In Texas. And remember those women I told you about? Most of the shootings were around Indiana, around I-70. A couple of the shootings were in I-70, off of I-70, Texas, where his brother lived. So, Was like, it at the same time? Yeah. So, like, there's a clear relationship it looks like between him and these other killings like he Herb's the number fuck. is like between 18 and 24 that they know of of people he killed so here's my concluding thought I fuck believe, Herb. and I've thought for some time that Herb is sort of like the original incel you know how we have incels now he was an incel back then you know about incels right uh, absolutely not really no there it stands for involuntary celibacy and it's people that do, like, school shootings and shit. Oh. That, like, they, they hate women because women won't have sex with them, even though they're nice guys. Oh. You've heard okay. of incels. Yes. And I yes. think that incels in, back in the day, like a Ted Bundy, killed people through serial killing. And then modern-day incels do mass shootings. 
Yes. And that's my theory. I see it. I see it. And that's all I have. Well, that was... So Tony Harris is a hero. Tony Harris is a hero. The system is fucked. Ten days. No arrest warrant. Ten days. Can you imagine... A body being found in your yard, Jackie. Oh, it's over. They're they're not pulling out. You of the, already were gonna get arrested that time that like a random window got broken in your neighborhood. Remember oh yeah, that? they were coming for me. They wanted me to serve up my sons on a silver platter. For yeah. Them. Okay, so um, we'll see you either next week or the week after because I'm gonna go on vacation. Ooh ooh, have fun in Destin. Whoop whoop. White sandy beaches. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed are strictly our own and not that of anyone else, including our employer or anyone who employs us. We hope that this pod sheds light on issues that perpetrate a culture of violence towards women, trans people, people of color, and black people, and other people that are oppressed and experience oppression. In an effort to make the post-Roe world a safer and more rad place for everyone.